0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Davis, four, three, the win. Oh, it's 2020 NBA championship belongs to.
2: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. We are live here at Blue Wire Studios at the Wynn in Las Vegas. Tons of Lakers basketball to talk about, even though, unfortunately, the Lakers are not currently playing right now. But we do have a very important offseason ahead of us, and we've got a lot to break down. Joining me, Jeff Spiegel, Daniel Starkin, guys who are, are multi-talented can jump <laughs> between Dodgers and Lakers. Jeff, how are you doing, man?
3: Doing good, doing good. You know, it's uh, this isn't the show that we want to be doing as Laker fans, but uh, but like you know, the one thing we could say about the Lakers is it's never boring. So we've got tons <laughs> to talk about, at least.
2: That's right, plenty to talk about, plenty to talk about. Daniel making the trip out as well, editor extraordinaire, and right. Daniel Starkan, <laughs> keeping us on top of all the different topics.
1: I still can't get over those exit interviews. It, it, it was a long day, that's for sure. A lot was said, um, you know, a lot wasn't said that maybe should have been said. But uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that you know. We're talking about exit interviews when there's a play-in game going on right now that the Lakers, you know, should have been in. Um, but, hey, such is life. We're here in the beautiful Blue Wire Studios and the win in Las Vegas, so can't really complain about that. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: And those of you who are joining us live, coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, we're going to be taking your questions and comments. So welcome in. We've got plenty of things to, to discuss here. In fact, let's just start here, especially since he's your namesake. I've got Jeff from YouTube says, Russ's exit interview was comedy. Jeff, what did you think of, of the things that Russell Westbrook was saying? Didn't sound like he's too keen on being a Laker long-term.
3: Yeah, I mean, it It's it was both bizarre and very unsurprising. Like, it felt very on-brand for the Russell Westbrook that we've sort of come to mm-hmm. expect and to experience this past year. I mean, you would have hoped that sort of there would be an adult moment where you just sort of say the things you're supposed to say and, and move on and not hold grudges and not throw people under the bus, and yet— Again, after the last nine months of Russ being a Laker, I, maybe we shouldn't have been surprised. I don't know.
2: Daniel, I mean, you've covered every single one of Russell Westbrook's press conferences. Was that final exit interview shocking in the, in the least, or did you expect him to say that kind of stuff?
1: It, it was funny because I kind of thought like things could go one of two different ways. Like he could have either went in there and just kind of taken the high road and and gave his short, you know, three, four word answers as he's done plenty of times this season. Or he could have went, you know, kind of scorched earth the way he did and just kind of blame everyone but himself for for everything that transpired this season. So I, I definitely wasn't surprised. Um it, it's unfortunate the way things played out, but um, you know, hopefully or not hopefully, but it's it's looking likely that he's played his last game as a Lakers. So um you, you know you, that. You can, you can say hopefully. Yeah, they could <laughs> yeah,
2: we know out. how you really feel.
1: <laughs> hopefully, that's okay.
2: We can say that here. That's just fine. Uh, I've got a lot of people in the chat that agree with you. Say Westbrook sure. needs to be I'm traded. Sure. Westbrook must go. What about the path to doing that though? Like, how do you, if you're the Lakers, how do you even go about trading him, Daniel? Like, is there? Do you see a, a path towards actually finding a deal that gets the Lakers pieces that can actually help them for next
1: season? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, it's definitely not going to be easy. Like, he's got a player option that I'm sure he's going to opt into. It's 40 million or $47 million for next season. So that's one of the highest paid players in the NBA right now. We've heard a couple different, you know, rumors of potential options. We've heard Charlotte, who might be looking to try and get out of Gordon Hayward's long-term deal and Kelly Oubre's deal. Um, you know, that looks like a pretty solid option, if you ask me. We, there was another Indiana rumor, you know, surrounding Malcolm Brogdon and, and Buddy Heald. That also looks like a great option. I feel like both of those kind of seem like they're too good to be true. Like, if if there's a way for the Lakers to actually get, like, useful players for Russell Westbrook, um, then I think they should be all over it. But I don't know if it's going to be that easy. Um, it might. They might have to end up, you know, going the wave and stretch, uh, you know, route, which obviously wouldn't be ideal. But we'll see what it comes to. That's for sure. So, Jeff, Daniel mm. just mentioned a couple of the deals that are out there, or
2: at least kind of out there in the Twitter-verse, that yeah. are rumored to be maybe available for the Lakers. Let's talk about those. So we've got, with the Hornets, you've got you've got some variation of Terry Rozier or Gordon Hayward, yeah. plus Kelly Oubre Jr., so that could potentially be on the table. And then you have Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald from the Pacers. Is there one deal that you
3: prefer over the other, and and why? Yeah, I think we'll start from the place of Remember the moment when we thought we were going to have to take back John Wall's contract in exchange (laughs) for Russell Westbrook and maybe throw in a first round pick in like 2027 in order to get that. So I think the fact that, as Daniel said, that we're talking about two trades that would net the Lakers real NBA players, guys that could actually come and contribute. That's fantastic. I I think just from a a starting place, Mm -hmm. the Indiana one to me sounds way too good to be true Um, and and not like I understand why Indiana might be interested in this. Um, Brogdon, I believe has three years left on his deal. Buddy healed has two years left on his deal that the per the 40 million range is where those two guys are at. But you know, that deal on paper to me, it's like the, the Lakers are trading a guy who is a net negative and they are bringing in two guys who solve a lot of the problems that the roster is currently constructed has, and are guys that step in and are immediate contributors, I mean, probably starters right away. So the Indiana deal to me, I mean... Until Shams was the one he put it in his piece on The Athletic. So I was like, wait, this is a real thing. This isn't like some Lakers blogger on Reddit. Like, sort of like, (laughs) hey, what about this? You know, kind of a thing. So as soon as that became real, to me, that sounds like a dream scenario for the Lakers.
2: Now, I agree. There's concerns, I think, with both deals, though, in terms of injuries. People have already talked about Anthony Davis is so injury prone. Do you really want... Malcolm Brogdon, who's spent a lot of, and I love Malcolm Brogdon when he's on the floor, but yeah. he's very injured. And then and then Gordon Hayward, yeah. same issue with injury concerns. So Daniel, would that be enough for you to pause if you're the Lakers and maybe push towards, say, hey, Charlotte, Rogier, Oubre, we'll do that simply because we don't want to deal with all the injury history that the other guys have.
1: Yeah, I I mean, to me, I think the injury concerns is why, like, we're talking about this as a possibility. Like, if Malcolm Brogdon was, you know, a picture of perfect health, I don't know if Indiana would be rushing to deal him. Um, With that being said, like, injury concerns, they are what they are. (laughs) At the end of the day, like, every player is capable of getting hurt. Every player, pretty much every player has gotten hurt. So, to me, I I would just look for the most talent possible. Um, And to me, I'm with Jeff. I think the Indiana deal would give back the Lakers, like, the most... Talent, like you're getting two starting guards, pretty much. Both of them could shoot. Both of them could play off the ball. Um So I think those are, you know, the type of guys who you want to pair with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like Kelly Oubre, he's a nice wing defender, which the Lakers have sorely lacked the last couple of years. But he's also, he's also not a floor spacer. And I think, uh, as we've seen the last couple seasons, like that's incredibly important with mm-hmm. LeBron and AD. You definitely want to have shooters out there. So. Um to, to me, I think the Indiana deal, even though Brogdon has his injury history, I think that's the best one out there just because those are not only, you know, the best players, in my opinion. I think they're also the best fit alongside, you know, LeBron and AD.
3: Well, And real quick, too, you're splitting up your money. So rather than Russell Westbrook and, you know, one year, $47 million, if you if you acquire a guy like Heald and Brogdon, now you've got two $20 million contracts, right. which are far more easy to trade. And, and I'll, I'll spin this to you, Trevor looking back with all that the Lakers gave up to get Russell Westbrook. Had the Lakers a year ago made that deal and brought back Brogdon and Buddy Heald, I I mean, now, of course, we're talking Westbrook, so the the perspective has shifted completely. But, I I mean, I just think Brogdon and Heald, Heald was a guy that we were talking about trying to acquire a year ago for Kyle Kuzma, Mm -hmm. who ended up being part of the Westbrook trade. So it would almost be like they salvaged this somehow (laughs) to, to going out and getting a package that feels, you know, sort of like a reasonable acquisition.
2: Absolutely. I think that's that's a big piece to this, right? Because if you're the Lakers and you get stuff back that's actually usable as opposed to, hey, you're going to have to give up and maybe they have to put picks in. I don't know, but you have to give up a bunch of picks just to convince somebody to take Russell Westbrook. Well, I mean, that's not so bad, right? At the, the end of the day. So Russell Westbrook trading him Buying him out, whatever. It's going to be a big part of the of the off season. But I do have, as much as the chat is agreeing with us that he needs to be traded, some people are on the Hornets side. Some people are on the um, are on the side of the Pacers. Some people want Kelly Oubre uh, Jr. because they find him physically attractive. That's according to our to our chat here. That's yes, Daniel. He's right here on his computer. He I watched him type that actually. Guilty. Uh, but I did get a super chat here from Mook Morris said, hey, Trevor, how's it going? How's it going? Well, it's going as well as could be here in, in Las Luke Vegas. Morris,
1: doesn't he have a plane? Shouldn't he be getting ready for the play game tonight?
2: <laughs> Maybe this is how he's doing it. That's right. He's talking a little basketball. He said, giving some of the reports of top-level coaches not being interested in the Lakers' head coaching job due to the treatment of Frank Vogel, what, what do the Lakers do? So, Daniel, let's go to you on, on this. Do you think the way the Lakers handled everything with, with Frank Vogel, is that a big problem for them, perception-wise, out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be like that was a championship coach that you basically kicked to the curb without even telling him two seconds after he walked off the court after a fun overtime win in the final game of the season. So I- I'm not going to get into the he said, she said of who leaked what to Woj. Like the bottom line is Woj put out that report. It happened. Vogel was put in a really awkward spot and other coaches uh, around the league, you know, are certainly taking notice of that. Like we already saw uh, you know, Brad Turner, the LA Times put out a report that Quinn Schneider might not be as interested because of that. Um, so, so yeah, I definitely think that's a huge factor. Like if you're looking to take a new job and, and for guys like Snyder who are already coaches somewhere else, like you would be leaving another job mm-hmm. to do that. You want to make sure that you're going to be treated right. You want to make sure that your family's going to be treated right. So I definitely think that's a huge factor. And I think that's something that the Lakers have lacked, you know, going back to their last coaching search when they're you know, forcing assistance down Tai Lu's throat and giving him a three-year deal when he's a championship coach. Like, those are the type of things that just aren't gonna fly if you're trying to get like the high echelon coaches, you know? Yeah, I mean.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Let's talk about that because it's more than just Frank Vogel's Dismissal. Mm-hmm. This is also Frank Vogel having to accept the, the front office saying, here's right. here's your assistant coaching staff, take it or leave it. Had to accept subpar deals. They only gave him a one-year extension mm-hmm. here. Gave him a team that didn't fit his skill set very clearly. He was not set up for success. Jeff, I mean, how, how worried are you about the perception out there being yeah. that the Lakers, if you go take this job, you're going to have all these headaches. I could see a lot of, if you're a name head coach that already has experience, I could yeah. see them saying, I don't even get to pick my own assistant coaching staff. No, thanks. I'm out.
3: Yeah. well, and I, I We haven't even mentioned what I think is the worst part, which is Rob Palenka and Kurt Rambis sitting yes, in on coaching. That's me. right. It's like, <laughs> it's like, hey, we want you to be the coach. We're actually not going to allow you to coach. Now, Vogel has said he had final say. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why he would lie about that, but that feels questionable. And, and one other piece I'll add, LeBron James doesn't exactly have a friendly history with the way head coaches that have circled around him have gone. Mm-hmm. I think Spolstra is kind of the exception to that, to a guy that actually lasted more than a few years sort of in the LeBron James orbit. So some of these names, like like Daniel has said, if, if you have a job, if you're Nick Nurse, if you're Quinn Snyder, do you, yes, do you have a better chance of winning a championship with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Of course you do. But is that worth all of the other stuff around it to me, I think it's reasonable to expect that, that there might be some guys that, that have some serious pause about that. Now, if you're unemployed and this is the job that's <laughs> right. out there, if you're Mark Jackson, you know, and, and this is the option that's on the table, then you're probably not including too many stipulations in your contract request.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's part of it, too. There's only 30 NBA jobs. Mm-hmm. That's it. That, that's all that's out there. So because of scarcity, I think there's going to be interest in the position. But in terms of the top-tier guys they might have enough pull to where another franchise can say, hey, we're, we'll, we'll bring you in and we'll give you that autonomy. We won't try to tell you who your coaches are going to be. We won't sit in your meetings or anything like that. And I think that will make other jobs more attractive. But So maybe you don't get the guy that you want again, because let's face it, Frank Vogel wasn't the guy the Lakers wanted yep. the first time around a few years ago. Now, it worked out. They won a championship, but still, here we are now. Uh, I've got people in the chat talking about Mark Jackson, and Jeff just mentioned him as well. That came out in the Sam Amick piece today. Daniel, how do you feel about Mark Jackson being connected and LeBron James again, according to to Sam Amick, having some type of feeling about Mark Jackson becoming a
1: head coach in a positive way, like he wants to see this happen? Well, well, if it'll get him out of the ESPN booth, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm totally kidding. Um, to to me, I I think you know as as even like what we just talked about about how it might not be that desirable of a job I don't think you need to sink so (laughs) low to hire Mark Jackson who hasn't coached since you know the Warriors let him go almost a decade ago at this point like you would think you know he would have got some more offers in that time and maybe he did that he just didn't feel like taking them but to me I think there's better you know better current head coaches better former head coaches better you know assistants that are out there that I think would be better for this job but it, it, it's definitely interesting when it's LeBron James's preference and it's it's sourced of course so it's not like LeBron James sat as, at his exit interview and said hey I want Mark Jackson as the, the next coach I think that would be a different story and I think Sam uh, Sam Amick went on the Dan Patrick show and kind of walked it back a little like he didn't like LeBron or whatever source didn't say that that's you know the the only guy LeBron wants right. he, he would just be open to playing for him so um I definitely think if if that's what Le, you know, if that's if LeBron is telling Rob Polinka that, uh, given the past history of them taking LeBron's advice, it, it might be a real possibility. Uh we'll see. But but for me, he wouldn't even be on my you know short or long list. Yeah to it, be
3: honest. It's too bad for Mark Jackson that LeBron James is not involved in any personnel decisions. Yeah, you know, right. it's too bad he leaves <laughs> all that wink, stuff wink. up yeah. for, for Rob Polinka to, to decide.
2: Well, let's let's talk about that. Do you so you guys don't buy it then? That that LeBron in his in his exit interview saying the front office makes their decisions. I'm just going to lead on the court. I mean, he didn't say he wasn't going to be involved at all, but he certainly sounded like he was stepping back from, hey, I'm going to be hosting free agent interviews and stuff at my house. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jeff? I'll go to you first. Is LeBron actually
3: going to stick with this? No, not a chance. Not a <laughs> chance. And, and the idea that he ever has is just ridiculous. And and again, it's a pattern with LeBron and Um, You know, there's a lot to love about LeBron James being on your team. And Mm -hmm. and there's some things that, in my estimation, are a little frustrating. And it's things like this, like pretending he wasn't the one who orchestrated the Russell Westbrook deal, pretending he wasn't the one who, you know, as if, like, who he wants to be the head coach is just his personal opinion. And he's not pressuring anybody to make those decisions, that kind of thing. I mean, the same names always sort of circle around LeBron James. And and so I don't think it's a coincidence that here we are. So I don't buy it. I, I mean, I think... I think the reason that that report exists and is being talked about is because what LeBron James wants as far as the next head coach really matters. Like it, it might be the most important voice. I'm not saying he's going to get exactly what he wants, but I'm going to say that like he might be the most important voice in that coaching decision.
2: Well, you notice he failed to to just commit to re-upping with the Lakers come August. He's eligible for an extension August 4th and he would not say what he was doing there. He wouldn't mm-hmm. give, give, away, give it away. He wouldn't tip his hand. And you have to have to imagine that's probably so he can make sure that whatever happens from here until till August is is in line with what it is that he wants. He talked about wanting to win more championships. So what, what are we thinking on on that whole situation? Mm-hmm. I mean, LeBron contractually Daniel can, can walk away uh, in 2023. Mm-hmm. if you're the Lakers, like you've got to be a little bit concerned, right? If you go and make all these moves, because it all has to happen in July, mm-hmm. and then in August, LeBron says, uh, see you later, I'm, I'm not going to stick around. Mm-hmm. What do you do?
1: It, it, it's a tough situation, that's for sure. Like, I think in an ideal world, you get an answer one or the other. Like, yes, I'm going to sign this extension, or no, I'm not, and I'm leaving in a year, and then you could plan accordingly. When when, when he's kind of in the middle, like he, he was during his exit interviews, and we've seen this from him in the past with, you know, the Cavs and the Heat or whatever, like him being non-committal is kind of putting some pressure on the front office, like, hey, Go out and make the moves to satisfy me or I'm gone. Um, and and that's not, I, I don't know if anyone has the confidence in the Lakers front office to go out and do that. So it's definitely a tough situation. Um, you know, like, like you said, he doesn't, he, he's not extension eligible until August 1st. So the whole, basically the bulk of the Lakers offseason work will be done by then. And I guess he'll just kind of see, if he's satisfied or not. And maybe if he, like maybe if they trade Russ to Indiana and they bring on, you know, Brogdon and Healed and they make some other nice signings, then maybe he'll be like, absolutely, like I'll sign on for two more years. I think we could win another championship again. But if things go south, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't sign that extension. And then it becomes a whole different question of like what what do you do then? Like, do you do you look to trade him? Which yeah. I, you know, that's a crazy thought. But at the same yeah. time, if he says if he's not signing the extension and if he's gonna leave in a year. Um, you know, you don't want to leave your your pockets empty. Like you want to at least have something. So, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a tough situation, and it's not. You know, uh, Rob Palinka is not in an
3: admirable admirable position right now. That's for sure. One thing that's that's interesting is when when LeBron would put Cleveland in this situation, they were yeah. typically holding like a lottery pick, or they had young guys on the roster. Mm-hmm. So it was like, hey, I want you to trade this lottery pick to go out and get an established veteran. And then we'll see what happens. Like the one thing that's nice for the Lakers is they, they don't have like these young pieces, these young draft picks that they have to sort of decide shoot, do we hold on to the number seven pick in the draft this year, or do we do what LeBron wants and trade it for a veteran who neither of these guys might be here a year from now? So I, I don't know really how much leverage he really has because it's the Lakers are, are fairly limited in what they could do. Um, but but as Daniel said, it, it's a it's a fascinating spot they find themselves in.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's nice that they don't that they don't have all these young prospects and yeah. stuff. I think they would like to have that stuff. But I agree from a from a decision making perspective, LeBron can say, "Go get me this guy. Go get me Bradley Beal." The Lakers can say, "We don't have it. Yeah, <laughs> we don't okay. have the assets." We already left.
3: did that move twice for you for Russell <laughs> yeah. Westbrook and for Anthony Davis.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Andrew P with the super chat says, "GM James." is terrible we see that in sports sometimes where yeah. guys guys just do not do well in the front office but they do well i mean heck phil jackson right as a coach yeah one of the best maybe the best ever yeah when he took over the knicks it was it was a mess um lebron is gm eh, i don't know oh somebody says trev for gm i volunteer i'll, I'll take that i'll take that job i'll take that one and uh, i can go and uh and make some decisions there for them um <laughs> daniel how are you feeling about uh, about the Kendrick Nunn situation? I've got a lot of people in the chat right now asking about that. It's it that's that was the one certainty that we got. Yeah, and that was the one thing where we where Kendrick Nunn was just like, "Yep, I'm picking up that that option." Yeah. Is that a good thing for the Lakers? I
1: I mean I guess I'll say it's a good thing for Kendrick Nunn fans who were <laughs> looking forward to seeing him play in a Laker uniform and didn't get that chance this past season. Uh, hopefully I don't knock on some wood here, but hopefully they get that chance next Mm -hmm. season. Like you said, uh, he was kind of the only certainty from, from the exit interviews. He said he will be picking up his player option. He said, it's a no brainer. And I agree with him. It is a (laughs) no brainer. Like the guy didn't play any basketball last season and his injury, like, you know, we've been told it's a bone bruise, but like, who knows what it really is. Mm -hmm. Like typically a bone bruise doesn't cause you to miss a whole year. Um, but he says he's actually feeling pretty good. He's expecting to be ready for training camp. Um, you know, that's a, it's a contract that I don't I don't want to say it's tradable just because he hasn't played basketball, but it'll be one of the only non minimum or mm-hmm. maximum contracts like you like those contracts kind of in the middle mm-hmm. uh, for trading purposes. So he's going to be right there at five or six million, whatever that player option is. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully he could get on the court and actually help the team or hopefully they could use his salary, you know, in, in some type of trade to, to get back someone that could help them. Mm. Lakers Nation, I want to pause for a moment and talk a little bit about athletic
2: greens. I started taking AG1 because for me personally, I was interested in recovery, number one. I've been trying to get back into shape and spending a lot of time in the gym, lifting weights, doing all those sorts of things. And I wanted to see if it could help with my recovery process and what that looks like. We all know how important recovery is in any type of athletic endeavor. And then also the mental clarity part of it. I'm the type of person where I've noticed, you know, middle of the day, I start to just hit this lull, this wall that I I run into. And I've just found I'm just not as productive as I should be. And I'll admit, I was pretty skeptical when I went into this, uh, when I started taking AG1. But I've been very, very pleasantly surprised. Not only has my recovery improved, and I've been taking AG1 for about three weeks now. I've been making noticeable improvements in the gym. But the mental clarity piece to this, the energy piece to this, it has been noticeable in the afternoons. I simply have more focus, more energy. I just noticed suddenly I'm getting way more done during the day. I'm accomplishing more tasks on my to-do list rather than pushing things off to the next day. And that means for all of you, that means more Lakers Nation content, more NBA front office content, everything else that we bring. It's been absolutely fantastic. I can't believe how productive I've been while taking Ag1. So what is Ag1? Well, with one delicious scoop of Ag1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And that is exactly how I take it. It's the first thing I take in the morning. Instead of getting coffee or an energy drink or something like that, I drink my Ag1. One, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, aging, all of the things all in one. And it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself that you would have to go out and find. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional Insurance Athletic Greens, it was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him over $100 per day. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. And for me, I'm super busy. The sports world, it moves at a lightning fast pace. So Athletic Greens, very quick, very simple for me to get my nutrition in one Place right now. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Lakers Nation. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash Lakers Nation to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Yeah, that's going to be the, the big question, Mark, is do you use that salary in a trade? And if not, I mean, look, we were all excited. When Kendrick yeah. Nunn signed that deal with the Lakers, because we thought that was a below market value deal, we thought the Lakers got a, a steal with that one. And then, of course, bone Brews knocks him out for the entire season, left a lot of fans wondering what's really going on there because yeah. bone bruises typically don't take quite that long to heal. But it'll be interesting to see what the Lakers ultimately do with uh, with Kendrick Nunn. Do they put him in trade, or do you just keep him and rehab his value a little bit as you rehab his knee, and then <laughs> and then you look to perhaps move him at the trade? deadline. Oh, I'm seeing all kinds of different comments come in about Kendrick Nunn in, in the chat. People are, are not pleased that he missed the entire season. I know. I know. I'm not I'm not either, but it's the way it goes sometimes. Injuries are are not fun. So, let's chat a little bit. Oh no. Some people said he had a worse knee injury than we were told. Yeah, that could happen. Could have been the thing, but we'll we'll have to wait and see how he heals up over the off season. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the young kids, though. I want to at least be able to finish on a, some, on a positive, positive on yeah. a positive here. <laughs> so, the the young guys we've got Austin Reeves, Wayne Gabriel, Stanley Johnson, yeah. Malik Monk. I think that's the question mark. Are all yeah. of those guys back next year, Jeff?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Monk's the interesting one, um, just because what's his value like around the league? I mean, you got to imagine it's obviously dramatically higher than it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. And what are the Lakers' capabilities of of bringing him back? And and obviously, I'm sure there is interest in bringing him back. But, you know, it was just a year ago that they had interest in bringing a guy back who had had a successful season and that people really liked and for financial reasons couldn't do that. So uh, I, I don't know, Daniel. I mean, Monk, is he back with the Lakers, do you think?
1: Uh, I think it'll depend on a, f- a few different factors. The first thing, like you said, his market, um, you know, he's he spoke many times about how last offseason the Lakers were pretty much the only team that called him and and he was very thankful for that. Um I would imagine it, you know July 1st is going to be a lot <laughs> different for him this year. He had uh, he was one of the few positives for the Lakers this season, had a really nice year. Um but but like you said, we really don't know what his exact market's going to be. Like he's kind of like that, you know, that heat check yeah. off the sixth man guard like a Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams type. I don't know who's kind of looking for that doesn't play a whole lot of defense, but from from the reports we've seen, he's going to be getting somewhere in the range of 5 to 10 million. Uh, The Lakers, as things currently stand, they will have their, you know, taxpayer mid-level exception to get out or to give out, which is what Kendrick Nunn got last year. That's like five or six million. Mm -hmm. So maybe if if Monk's market isn't what we think it's going to be, then maybe he accepts that. Um, If the Lakers are unable to trade Russell Westbrook and they go the wave and stretch route, that'll get them below the tax line, I'm pretty sure. And then they'll have the non-tax, non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is up at like 10 or 11 million. I think if you end up, you know, going that route, I think you could definitely uh secure Monk. He's he said uh money won't be the biggest factor for right. him. He said he loves LA, you know, it feels like home. He definitely wants to return. It's just a matter of uh, you know, how big of an offer he gets from another team. He's an unrestricted free agent, so it's not like the Lakers could just yeah. match whatever offer he gets. So um I think there's a lot of different, you know, factors that kind of have to play out before you, you know we'll know if Monk's back or not, but I definitely think there's mutual interest there. Um, and I personally hope it gets done. Like he was one of you know one of the few that I actually enjoyed watching this season. Yeah. <laughs> you know when when Monk said that when he said that money wasn't going to be the
2: number one factor, <laughs> it's like Rob Palenka's Spidey sense oh, must have just sure. must have <laughs> just gone off because that was music to his ears. That's exactly what you want to hear if you're the Lakers. But you know the thought just popped into my head. How strange is it that when I think and maybe you guys tell me if it's just me when I think of the Lakers young guys, I think Stanley Johnson, I think Austin Reeves, I think Wenyen Gabriel, I think mm-hmm. Malik Monk. THT doesn't mm, come to mind, yeah. Jeff. What What are your thoughts on THT? I've got some people in the chat saying eh, we don't want to keep him. It well,
3: sure. it's fascinating because when you talk about the young guys, you know he's you the think youngest. Of, exa- well, and and <laughs> you know if you go back 12 months, the young guys meant guys like Caruso and THT, mm-hmm. and one of those two guys, I think the the sort of consensus outside of Lakerland is that THT was overvalued by the Lakers and and wasn't as good as. Laker fans believed him to be, and some around the league thought he was going to be. Whereas Caruso, the guy they let go, was underrated, undervalued somehow. And so, I mean, obviously, Tht's around. He's under contract. So that that's good when you're trying to put together a team. Um, you know, at this point, the, the numbers are irrelevant because he's already there, and he's already um, on the books for what it is. I mean, I think there was obviously some positives that last week and a half of the season. You saw some things where it's like, hey, you know, maybe there is – Maybe what we thought we had 18 months ago is really in there with THT. And so he's an interesting guy as far as where he fits on a team with LeBron James. Um, I'm not sure those two guys together are the perfect yeah. fit, and yet you're paying him starter money, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he's he's fast. I like him as a player. You are helpful in pointing out and reminding all of us just how young THT is. Like, Yes, he's been in our lives for a few years, but he's not like a 26-, 27-year-old guy he still has some development to, to to do. So it's a guy that, look, he's under contract. He'll be back. And and I think there's reason to be optimistic. Now, I, I don't know if that's like, he'll be an all-star one-day optimism, mm-hmm. but I think he could be in the top five to eight rotation guys in, in a team that could win a championship.
2: Uh, the question is, can he do it while LeBron is still yeah. in purple and gold and can take advantage of that? Yeah. Uh, Mook Morris with a super chat asks, will the Lakers look to trade THD in the offseason due to his poor performance this season? I think they will look to trade him, sure. but <laughs> it's not due to his poor performance necessarily. I think it's because... They need his contract. They need his contract. And most trade offers, non-Westbrook trade offers, you need that 10-ish million that THT is going to make in order to swing a lot of deals. And we'll spend a lot of time this offseason talking about that.
3: Can I, let me ask you a question real yeah. quick on that, Trevor. Like, THT at his contract, is that a valuable asset? Like, are you getting anything back for him? Like, are you having to sort of include something in a package yeah. with T? I mean, that's the thing is when people say, well, let's just trade THT, it's like, who like him at 10 million dollars is not a plus asset in in most people's mind right
2: and it's not just the production it's also the future opportunity because he does have a player option so as yeah. of right now this season is done so he's two years left on his deal with a player option mm. in the summer of 2023 and so if you're an opposing team you're a team looking to trade for him the challenge is that if he plays really well, mm then he opts out and you're either going to lose him or you have to pay him more. And if he doesn't play well and he's not living up to that production level of his, of his contract, then he opts in and you're overpaying him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of in a lose-lose scenario for him there. So that's why I don't... I could see him as salary ballast. I could see him having some value to some teams. He did do some nice things down the stretch this season, did have that 40-point game. But I don't think you're going to get a big return for Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, I'm going to just assume, in terms of Stanley Johnson, Wendy Gabriel... Austin Reeves, they all have either team options or, or non-guaranteed portions of contract. All are back, in my mind. Just bring them back, right?
1: Uh, I would agree with that. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. I I think that's pretty safe as far as the young guys go. Uh, we'll get to an, uh, one more super chat here, Jason T. Do you think the Lakers can unofficially? Oh, we're getting we're <laughs> we're getting a little under the table here. Can unofficially entice Monk with off the court endorsement <laughs> deals, perhaps <laughs> convince him his brand will grow more in LA. What do you think about that, Daniel? Space Jam 3?
1: Yeah, yeah, right? I mean, LeBron could definitely offer him a role or put him on the shop or something. Um, you know, it, it, it's possible if, if that stuff is going on, like, we're never going to hear about it. Like, they're not just going to be open about it, but hey, there's definitely, like, it's, it's not a secret that there's better business opportunities for a lot of these guys playing in yeah. LA as opposed to going to, you know, Utah or Sacramento or, you know, whatever other yeah. small market. Like, there's definitely benefits of playing in LA. We saw, you know, Malik Monk, you know, he he was pretty much, I don't want to say unknown, but unless you're like a hardcore basketball fan, you didn't really know who he was in mm-hmm. Charlotte. And I'd say now he's a pretty well-known player and that leads to, you know, more better opportunities off the court. So I don't think, I don't know if the Lakers are going to say, hey, we'll give you this money under the table or whatnot. But I definitely think him and his representation would understand that, Playing in LA, one of the biggest markets in the league, for the Lakers, one of not only the biggest brands in the NBA, but you know all the sports in the entire world. There's definitely you know benefits that come with that. Mm -hmm. And
3: I think for the money he's going to be getting, it's probably his best chance at winning a title too. Like I I don't know if a team that would give him the ten million dollar range that we were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier. I don't know how many of those teams present a better opportunity at winning a championship if. I assume that's something that that matters to him. And also,
1: just to cut in real quick, um, one thing the Lakers could also offer him is the role he's looking for. He said in his exit interviews yesterday, like the role he had this season is kind of the role he's envisioned for himself his whole career that he didn't get in Charlotte. Mm. And who knows if he goes somewhere else, uh, you know, they might not value him as high, even if they're willing to give him money in free agency. So uh, uh, there's there's definitely a lot of factors to consider. Like Monk himself said, like it's it's more than just money. And he clearly enjoys playing in LA, but you know, at the end of the day, if he gets thrown that big offer, you know, I think all that goes <laughs> kind of out yep. the ta- out the out the window. Uh, yeah, agree, a hundred percent on that. <laughs> if some team comes
2: along and they're offering ten, and the Lakers say most we can offer is six, he, he doesn't really have much of a choice because he He's hasn't kind of and he play.
3: hasn't signed a big deal. Like right, I believe right. he came straight off a rookie contract and basically signed for the minimum. So yep. it's nice for him to say it's not about the money, but I mean, this is his his the only opportunity he knows of in his career to basically set himself and his family up for the rest of his life. And sure, five million bucks a year would do that, but like a three-year, $30 million deal would, would do it a lot more.
4: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh,
2: Vector Nova chiming in here on THT said we should keep THT because Russ messed with his development. The Lakers have very little options to retain players. He's someone that they can retain. I think there are not many trades for him, so that's a good point there about uh, about Russ Russ being on the court. If Russell Westbrook's gone, Tht perhaps has more utility just because you have uh, they're they're a bad fit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we said that last off season on paper. Like, how does this work? <laughs> and sure enough, it did not work. But I want to finish with this, guys. King Carroll asked a very simple question, and I'm going to throw it to both of you guys and get get your answers here. I'll go uh, I'll go to Daniel first. Question is this: Does Anthony Davis play? the center position next season. I, and I should I should qualify that. The majority of his minutes at center. Do you play him there next
1: season? Is that your plan going into the offseason? Uh, I'd say probably about 50-50. So I don't know if that's quite a majority. But I think I don't think he's ever going to be a full-time center. I know not only does he not want to, I just don't know necessarily know how smart that is given his his injury history. Mm. Um, so, so I definitely think in a perfect world, you find a true center that could also stretch the floor because that's kind of what you want by by putting him at the 5 you want that floor spacing well if you could find a big man who could bang with you know some of the other bigs in the league down low while also stretching the floor offensively i think that could help ad you know on both ends of the floor to be honest so I, i'll say 50/50 but it, it, you know it all depends on roster construction it depends who they get if they get a couple you know bigger wings like gordon hayward and kelly oubre then i definitely think you'll see more of ad at the 5 cuz those guys could help on defense and help with rebounding which we saw was a big problem this season like yeah the Lakers wanted to go small a lot but they were just getting destroyed on the glass so if you have some bigger wings which the Lakers envisioned you know but unfortunately it was like 37 year old Trevor Ariza and such (laughs) Um, but if you could get some some wings to to help on the glass I definitely think we'll see more of AD at the five but it all just kind of depends on how they end up constructing the roster.
3: Yeah, I actually think that that the number of minutes he plays at center in, increases. That since I got in reading a lot of these sort of season post-mortem type stuff yeah. is that I think Davis and, and LeBron have kind of had this philosophy of, and, and justifiably so, well, we'll just play the positions we should be playing once we get to the end of the season, once we roll into the playoffs, and then we'll go win a title. Well, guess what? You didn't do it necessarily to the amount that you wish you had, and now there isn't a playoffs. Now there isn't a, a title run in you. And I just get the sense from some of those quotes that they recognize, Davis recognized, hey, the best basketball we were playing was when I was at the five, when LeBron was sort of a small ball five, whatever that looked like. So I actually think that we might be getting to a point where they realize this is, this is actually our best chance for success. And after coming off a season like this, I hope that's the primary sort of decision making thought process that you've got.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see the path the Lakers take. I do think – I think you need somebody to take on the burden of the center position when the matchup calls for it. Yeah. I don't think you want him going up against Embiid, Jokic, Valanciunas, you know, these guys right. that are just they're just physically powerful. I don't think you want him bearing that burden night in and night out, but there's some matchups where he's going to be better at the five, some matchups where yeah. he's going to be better at the four. So Agreed. why not make That's use of point. that that versatility? All right, everybody. Well, we're going to wrap things up there appreciate everybody joining us coming in from youtube from facebook from twitter always always a treat when we get to come out here to las vegas and and uh, do this from blue wire studios at the win thank you all for joining us make sure you are subscribing to our youtube channel the lakersnation.com youtube channel youtube.com slash lakers and don't forget to follow our podcast over on apple podcast spotify wherever it is that you listen to podcasts we've been getting some fantastic reviews Over on Apple Podcasts. I love reading those. We truly appreciate it when you guys do that as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.
3: All right. All
1: right. Cool.